the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast, where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the biblical five-point covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Welcome to a very special episode of the Worldview Media Podcast. I am your host, Gordon Runyon. With me are my co-hosts, Joyce Runyon. Hello. Hello. And Jordan Runyon. Say hello. Hello. And way over in the corner is Carmen. Talk loud. Say hello. All right. And we are broadcasting live today. Live. From the counting house of Marley and Scrooge. (laughs) (laughs) We are. We are. What are we doing? I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're podcasting. (laughs) I was trying to sound like a PBS announcer. Yeah, I got that. You sounded very proper. Oh, good. All right. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. That's nice. That's nice. I thought I was on the wrong show there for a second. All right. Well, this is the Worldview Media Podcast. (laughs) The most frivolous podcast on the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network. You know, that makes me feel good in a way. (laughs) That we're the most. We're leading on something. Yes. Yes. There you go. And the Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network is your one-stop shop for all your audio dominionizing needs. Did you say neck work? Neck work. Neck work. (laughs) Networking. <laughs> I hope I didn't say that. Maybe I did. <laughs> it's a network, is what it is. It's a network. That's right. All right, then. There we it's go. It's a conspiracy. <laughs> Not this. Other things. All right. Well, <laughs> since this movie takes place. What movie? Oh, what movie are we doing? <laughs> we are talking about the movie The Man Who Invented Christmas. That's it. Who is that guy? <clears throat> and this is from late 2017. Yep. And it is about Charles Dickens and about the origin story of A Christmas Carol. That's right. How that ghost came story. to be. <clears throat> and when I first heard that we were watching it, I thought it was going to be more of a documentary sort of thing. Oh. Where we just... You know, factually learn about Charles Dickens. <laughs> oh, hmm. that would have been boring. I feel like I, I, I would have watched, watched that, that better. I wouldn't have enjoyed that movie. Well, you're lame. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know cool. if I would have. I would have liked that. Well, I'm down for any sort of historical documentary. You're a literary nerd, so Jordan is our literary genius, nerd consultant, okay. <laughs> <laughs> specializing even in Charles Dickens. This particular, <laughs> like, a six-month span of his life. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and in this movie... <laughs> I know. In this movie, we follow a young, manic Charles Dickens. 
Yeah. As he he had one big hit with Oliver Twist. Yep. So he was a celebrity. Twist the darling. He was a celeb. Yep. Doing and good. then he had three flops in a row. Yeah. <laughs> Wrote novels that nobody wanted to read. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. they read it. And then everybody said, else read Ugh. it. And hated him. Yeah. And then he had the huge hit of A Christmas Carol. Yeah. You know, I've written a couple of novels myself. Uh-huh. And I would say that my own writing career falls in that window. I only, I only need to write one more flop, <laughs> and I would be just like that. I would be just like that period of his life. But then sure. you have to have the massive overnight success. No, I just, I'm, I'm just shooting to mimic his career for a Pretty little while. You have to have you have to have realistic goals, Carly. <laughs> right. Well, you've written more than three things, though. Well, two novels that that are published right now. Uh-huh. I wrote another novel that was so bad that the last time somebody read it, it caught on fire and burned to the center of the earth. Wow! I don't think you that should write happened. a novel about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty exciting. That. Wait, you mean about like going on a journey no, to the center a book of the that earth? That was so bad that like took you with it to the center of the earth. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it sounds <laughs> probably more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so in this movie we have Charles Dickens, and it's his struggle. He's facing a bit of a writer's block, mm-hmm. and the money is running out. Mm-hmm. He made a lot of money from Oliver Twist, became very rich, but uh, now the money is getting close to being gone. Yeah, and probably is gone. It's basically He's having to borrow money and stuff like that. So, so he has to come up with something. And when he decides he's going to write this Christmas story, the big push was, wouldn't it be neat to get this published in time for Christmas sales this year? Yeah. So we had like six months, right? <clears throat> <laughs> no, because he started in... No, it turns out that as slow as everything got done in that day, he was... What eight weeks out, and there was no way. It was less than eight. Weeks. No, he, it was like six weeks. Six weeks, and he, he didn't. Started. He didn't even have the novel. He didn't have a properly concept. started. Yeah, yeah. And so the publishing house that he had worked with didn't want to take a risk on him anymore, and so I don't know if this is historically accurate. He decided to publish a Christmas Carol himself. Do you know anything about that? Well, I think from what I remember. His publisher published it, but oh. I think he did have to pay for the stuff himself, maybe. Oh, okay. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that thing is. <clears throat> that sounds familiar, him having to pay the illustrator and all this stuff himself, but... Uh, Not really self-published. But I don't think... But I think his publisher published it. Oh, they just made him pay it. Yeah, I think so. It's possibly what it, it is. It going to be a rush job and- we're not going to pay for this. You can pay for this. Right. Okay. Well, Well, and his publisher was also not doing great mm-hmm. either because his books. books hadn't been doing great. So Right. They were losing money too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically what happens is it turns into a little bit of a made-for-TV movie where... <laughs> it wasn't on the Hallmark Channel. Well, it was very much like a Hallmark movie. 
in that the plot became excruciatingly predictable and just kind of cheesy where uh, Charles Dickens would be walking down the street or going into a random shop and he'd see a character that had a name that he wanted to use and then the character would say a line randomly that we all know is from A Christmas Carol. Yeah. You could see Dickens's eyes, the gears turning behind his eyes, and he's thinking, ooh, that'd be good. And Yeah. And the, the bulk of the movie is that, where he's just walking around kind of picking up pieces of this novel. Yeah, that's... That got so, old. <laughs> that got old fast. So are those, like, phrases that everybody is really familiar with or are those things that we are really familiar with because, because we watch the movie all the time because we watch them up it's christmas carol well, every I, year. I think some of them are famous <clears throat> yeah there are a couple famous lines that it, even if maybe you don't know exactly where it's from you've probably heard okay well i just know that since this is something that we Consume, watch yeah, yeah fairly regularly and have most most of it memorized. <laughs> <laughs> well, the that stuff was... about are there not poor houses? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, nobody's well, Yes, but they'd rather die. Well, then they bloody well better do it. Uh, decrease, decrease the, the surplus, surplus population. population. Right. Well, and it's not me, me, me. <laughs> There's not a lot of mystery to it, you know, because obviously he writes the book it's a success, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of having to wait and watch to see, like, how does he do it? Because you know what happens. It's not like a story where you're not completely sure of the details. How it's going to end. Yeah. How's it going to end? Right. And then, <clears throat> so it did get very monotonous that way and really predictable and cheesy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, thought, I thought it was kind of fun hearing him hear the things from things. But I would say that it's not, there's not a lot of suspense to this movie. No. And then... At some point, he fixes on the character Scrooge. He's got him down. He's got him created. And so then a Scrooge character starts following him around, and they have yeah, conversations. Yeah, in his imagination. And, yeah, in his imagination, and that's apparently part of his process. And, Maybe. And that was just kind of cheesy as well. I like that part, though. I liked him interacting with the characters and then giving him a hard time about, well, you're the author, so why don't you do something about it? <laughs> right. And I will confess that after we had had quite a bit of this cheesiness and the very predictableness and the and the just kind of groaning, it was like hearing bad puns a lot. You know, just suddenly somebody for no reason says to him, Humbug. Uh, and then you could see the light bulb go on in his eyes. And yeah. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. My problem with everybody saying all that stuff to him, like in the street and all that, was just, I feel like it kind of cheapens his actual writing. Like he right. just got that from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. His only creativity was arranging stuff that he yeah. had. Yeah. His interaction yeah. with people. So I. I would, yeah, that was my problem with all that stuff, was that I feel like it really cheapened a lot of stuff. Well, I fell asleep the first time we tried to watch it. I fell asleep in the middle of that. (laughs) It was after seven. (laughs) (laughs) I was stretching it past my bedtime, but, but man, it seemed super boring. And then, so when I finished it this morning to make sure I could do this podcast. Yeah. Uh, 
Well, then some things kind of changed. You were alert and awake. No, no, I'm, I'm saying the story. The story, story kind of got deeper. Had a shift. And, yeah, as it got closer. Well, because he had problems finishing the book. Right. So he gets to the end chapter and he doesn't know how to finish it, and it's a great amount of turmoil. And it turns out the issue is really within him, and in order for him to come to the conclusion and to deal rightly with Ebenezer Scrooge at the end, he had to get things figured out within himself, Mm -hmm. including a lot of past hurt from having uh, been sent to one of those workhouses when he was, what, 10 years old, something like that? Like 11 or 12 or something. So Charles Dickens in real life, his father went to debtor's prison probably more than once. I think so. I think he was in and out. He was there for a long time, I think. But... When Charles was 10, that meant that he had to go to one of these workhouses, which was basically a slave factory sort of thing, slave labor kind of children's factory. Yeah. And that was a nightmare, and as horrific as it sounds, and being separated from his family and and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so it, it traumatized him, obviously, and affected what kind of person he became and he had to spoiler alert he had to get to the point where he was able to kind of deal with all that and overcome it Mm -hmm. before he could figure out a way to overcome all the darkness in scrooge and get the story well he was happy to have tiny tim die because you know that's the way life is yeah his rough draft had tiny tim dying and scrooge not changing Mm -hmm. And nobody liked that. Everybody <coughs> right. would say, you can't do that. Yeah. We met up Christmas. with a lot of resistance. Yeah. Well, and that meets up with some of the, with some of the stuff I have for later. But. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So let's go around and just talk overall how the movie strike you. Jordan? Uh, well. <laughs> Come on, Richard. I, I thought it was... Um, I guess it was kind of fun, but it wasn't sort of as good as I wanted it to be, I guess. Kind of expected more. Well, I was hoping for more, and I just didn't kind of get it. Well, and for you, especially, because you'd spent so much time yeah. researching and looking at this and investigating it and getting ready to write a paper. and Yeah. I mean, you really probably knew more than what was in the film. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Jordan's graduate work has had at least some focus on Charles Dickens up until this point. Yeah. Well, last semester for sure. Okay. So. And mom, what did you think? Uh, there were some things that I didn't know about Dickens. You know, that I didn't know about his own childhood, having experienced some of the things that he's defending the rights of children, and how unheard of was that during that time? You know, they. They were, nobody cared about a lot of the lower segments of society and whatever trouble they got into, they got into it and, you know, it wasn't anybody else's business. So um, that was interesting because most people that find themselves in that situation remain in that situation. And somehow he uh, he rose above that. And I think that's not an easy thing to do at any time, but especially then. Yeah. To, you know, change your station, so to speak. So that's really interesting. I wish they had given us a little bit more information about what he 
believed? Why oh, did yeah. he believe those things? Because your worldview always um, manifests itself in, in how you approach things, how you do things, how you write stuff. So I just wish there was a little bit more information about that. And I, too, was hoping it was going to be a little bit uh, a little bit better, a little bit more in-depth. But I don't know if there was really a lot of information about... Well, yeah, there's probably not a whole lot of, like, textual information about what was actually going on during those, like, six weeks. But, I mean... <laughs> he had to be busy writing. <laughs> he has to have been. I mean, it's not a long mm. book, but it's still... He's writing all this stuff by hand and coming up with stuff and going back and revising and making things good and yeah yeah so yeah i was kind of disappointed in that same way there just wasn't a lot of information i thought the subject matter would have been interesting to explore but mm -hmm. carmen did you have anything overall i wasn't expecting a lot out of this movie like the whole in-depth about charles dickens and stuff like that i really wasn't i was you know, if it's the man who invented Christmas and the previews had his characters come and visiting him, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't going to be super serious. And it wasn't. So I, I wasn't expecting a lot. You weren't disappointed. No, I wasn't ex I wasn't disappointed, but I wasn't really expecting too much. You had low expectations. Yeah. Which so. is the key to not being disappointed. That's yeah, what it's I have worked. found. <laughs> it works. I mean, it works. Ah, wait. <laughs> it's all coming together. <laughs> now let's talk about Jordan's life. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Uh, I, I really did. Um, like I said, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from it. Um, there were some bits that I was like, uh, I think could have been a little bit more expounded on. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of kind of the more serious stuff in it is more applied, I guess, than actually, or implied instead of uh, said out loud. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting, and I thought it was um, probably my favorite part was watching him kind of interact with Scrooge, because in the way that he presents himself to everybody else is very, you know, bright and very, like, energetic and excited and stuff like that, and he's, you know, a good person that, you know, I'm helping the children and all this stuff. But then, you know, his big kind of foil in the movie is Ebenezer Scrooge who is completely different from that and the big climax is he's all I'm exactly like you and you just don't want to admit it and I was like what so I thought yeah. it was interesting because then is it that Scrooge was actually like Dickens in his private life or was Dickens just kicking himself or you know what's the deal what's the deal there Dickens so but I thought it was I didn't think it was fantastic but I wasn't expecting it to be like anything world-changing, so. Yeah, so f as far as recommendations, overall, I think it's pretty boring. And, <laughs> and the payoff isn't really super great. Yeah. In terms of if you're looking to learn more about Charles Dickens, it's probably really not there. And... It'd be a nice one to put on in the background for like <laughs> the holidays. For the holidays, this is a background holiday movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, you it's, don't have to put a lot into it. Just you could just do fun. that with a, an actual Christmas Carol presentation. Though. Well, but you want to watch a Christmas Carol. Well, I don't know about that. This is you start. You play this movie first, and then you play every version of the Christmas Carol after that. Oh, please! <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. That's an extravaganza. 
All right, so I don't think it's in the top ten of any of our lists. Mm, no. There wasn't anything objectionable about it. Objectionable mm-hmm. about it. Not, uh, not gratuitous anything, really, except boredom. And <laughs> Was that gratuitous? I don't know. <laughs> All right. So watch at your own risk. And <laughs> now we will take our break and come back and talk more worldview issues with the man who invented Christmas. See ya. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. We're back. It's the Worldview Media Podcast. Well, Hoping that being visited by three spirits will be enough to change us. Not in one night. Ghost adventures to come see us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe at least freak you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah shout out Zach Baggins. 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 Yeah, he's got to be Zach Baggins. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Shout out. <laughs> oh, wow. All right, so the man who invented Christmas. Carmen, you have a worldview issue to bestow upon us or bring up for discussion? Uh, yeah. Um, well, like I say, it kind of goes back to um, with him. The whole thing is Dickens versus Scrooge the whole time. And you can kind of, like I said, you see him kind of fighting with Scrooge about, like, oh, you're terrible and all this stuff. And he's all, yes, I am. And, you know, at the big climax of the thing, he's all, yes, I am all these terrible things. But... Uh, you have you may, looked at yourself? Yeah, have you yeah. looked at yourself, you know, that you yell at your wife and you shut out all these people and you just told your father that he's horrible and dragging you down and you never want to see him again? And, mm-hmm. you know, and um, just kind of the... Uh, that he gave Scrooge kind of um, monetary, you know, lack of charity, but then he doesn't have kind of emotional charity with other people. So that he's kind of lacking that. And, like, you can see glimmers of it where he, like, gives the little servant girl a book to read. And, you know, that he works with his family and stuff like that. But that's all just very, you know, his knee-jerk reaction with people is to kind of just be like, what do you need? What can I 
do to get, get my way. yeah to get out of my way. So kind of lacking that emotional substance. Um, I think for me, just thinking over the film, the biggest uh, part that kind of sticks with me is when he was in the old factory. You know, with Where, Scrooge, yeah. and he was talking with Scrooge, and Scrooge was like, "You need to face the facts that you're, you know, this is who you are." And that you're really not this big gentleman guy that you've made yourself out to be. That you're, you know, very cold and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, that he ends up in uh, the tomb, sort of thing, and it's yeah. just Scrooge just kind of standing there. And something about it that you know, um, Dickens standing up by the blank headstone because that headstone never had Scrooge's name yeah, on it. Yeah, never had anybody's name. Um, that he's standing up by the headstone, and then. Scrooge is just down there kind of looking around just kind of curious about like well what is this you know and then they both just kind of look at each other for a minute and you know kind of realize that what else am I supposed to do and I think that's um, except you know put put you to, to the grave you have to die this is something you're not redeemable mm-hmm. and then you know that's why he's been telling people this whole time when they're talking about oh you can't kill Tiny Tim and stuff like that Tiny Tim has to live and he's all no he's not Scrooge changing doesn't save him. It's all this stuff. Yeah. So for him to have to look at Scrooge and put him in the grave, and he starts, you know, closing that grave up on him, and then you know, Scrooge tells him the whole like, "I'll keep Christmas in my heart and all that." The, all your the long, famous the three spirits. Yeah, the famous thing. They'll live in me. Yeah. You know that at that point that Charles was like, you know, maybe there is there is some way for someone like this to change someone terrible like that, and it's not just. If he's seeing himself in Scrooge, then it's not just that he's seeing value in Scrooge and that Scrooge can be redeemed, but that also that Charles Dickens can be redeemed and Mm -hmm. he's not... It also changes his perspective as well. Yeah, on himself, that he's not just a terrible person. And it's kind of interesting, I think, because that kind of goes into his writing, too, that, you know, you see him saying all these terrible things about London and about people and stuff like that, but he's also very... Right, Jordan, that he's also very big about humanity and you know the value of people and, sure you know yeah <laughs> so his block to finishing the story was really a block that he could only overcome by recognizing his own failures his own sinfulness and that he was the scraping clutching uh, nose to the grindstone uh, Probably in a sense. Filthy, cowardly old sinner. But I think <laughs> that was also him. with his father, you know, yeah. he was a man that didn't change. Yeah. He had right. to pay and do stuff for what he'd done wrong, and still uh, it didn't change him. And so, you know, I think there were some real people in his life that he was like, look, people don't change. They are who they are. But, you know, what Carmen was saying about when Scrooge was in the grave, in the ground, you know, when you come to terms with being mortal, that life is finite, that you have this one shot, this one chance, and what are you going to do with it? And you're faced with, this really could be it for me. That you know, Sometimes that does change your perspective on what is important and why, why did I do the things I did before? And wasn't that stupid to be mad at somebody for no reason, really, or to say things that, because I was upset, it had nothing to do with the situation, but trying, you know, just hurting people and doing mm-hmm. stuff like that, that it changes, it gives you a larger perspective. 
And I think people that have uh, life-threatening diseases or people who have people like that in their family, mm-hmm. it just it shifts what's really important here. Is it what I thought was important before this happened? Well, and it's also, while you're saying that, that people don't change the stuff, it's frustrating. Part of the frustrating thing for me for this movie is at the end of the movie, nothing's really changed. You know, his dad is still probably a terrible person. You know, he's been yelled at and scolded and stuff, but that doesn't mean he's going to not continue to be that way. We don't have any sign of that in the end yeah, of but, the film. Yeah, but Dickens has changed. Dickens Charles has Dickens changed. has changed. Yeah, yeah. so he's... He's not demanding or yeah. expecting his father to be someone other than who he is. Right, he's just willing to forgive. And so and he's kind of released himself and being forgiving of yeah. somebody else yeah. that, you know, I don't have to hold on to this thing and carry it with me. Yeah, but it's just kind of like a kind of an anti-Hollywood ending. Mm-hmm. That, oh, he's found personal resolution, and so all, all of a sudden all these other people find stuff, you know, that his, his dad is going to be better, and his mom isn't going to just excuse his dad, and, you know, his kids are going to be whatever and his relationship with his wife and his publishers and he's rich and you know yeah. but there's, there's none of that it's just them at the end and the guy who gave his book a hard time is like you know what this is actually a nice book and it's like oh yes this is great and i'm like that's it and i i think that's kind of valuable because sometimes that's that's what you get that's what you get you know but, yeah well but the the real story arc was charles dickens though yeah. you know it uh it wasn't really so much about the book, The Christmas Carol, or A Christmas Carol. It was about the man who wrote it. Right. And so the story arc was tracing Charles Dickens. Yeah. And so the big writer's block was really the human block that we have toward being willing to admit that we're not great people. And mm-hmm. we also stand in need of redemption and not just the obvious bad guys like Ebenezer Scrooge. The good people are bad, too. <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy. Bad. Everybody's bad. That's the thing of it, isn't it? So that reminds me of the the portion where he's talking about chains being formed and how you forge these chains. In life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you do. <laughs> but those, those chains can be either for good things or for bad things. You know, I think... It goes back to, you're going to be a slave, so whose chains are you going to wear? Oh. And so you're going to have, you're going to have chains. <laughs> chained to something. Yeah. yeah. And so those chains can either be something that are good and something that are, you know, it's going to build you up instead of holding you back and tearing you down. So I just think there's a difference in the quality of chains available for people. <laughs> you're going to suffer, but you're going to be, be happy about it. <laughs> Only if you got the right chains. Well, uh, hmm. I hadn't thought of that metaphor, good chains. I mean, I think I know what you're saying, that that we we are bound to Christ more and more as he well, sanctifies us. Well, and even within us. a community of Christian believers, that you have chains that bind you to another believer. And the more you invest in prayer for those, you know, Pray for me like you're here chained by me. Oh, yeah. You know, and so I think that's really a very visual representation of of a Christian walk. You know, people think, well, you know, I'm free indeed, and they want to go skipping down the lane naked, whistling. and (laughs) You're free to wear the better chains. And you're free to wear the better chains. You know, you're still bound, and 
yeah, it's because of who you're bound to now instead of who you were bound to before. So, right. Uh, there was that whole thing about Charles Dickens having to come to grips with hurts and injuries that he received when he was young. I think this needs to be something that preachers are willing to address without going new agey about it. Because mm. I've had, I've had even family members come to me and say, "Yeah, inner healing is where it's at. You have to. The thing to do is to envision that time when somebody hurt you really bad when you were a child, and then imagine Jesus walking into that situation and what what would he do? What? <laughs> Yeah, I actually was told that by an adult when I was a kid, and and uh, we don't have to go there, but but the truth is that yes, we are born sinners in terms of we're born with a propensity to do bad things. We will do those bad things. Mm-hmm. There's no way we won't do those bad things. But it is also true that you hit this world as one of the most vulnerable creatures on the planet, and the planet is filled with people who will take advantage of that. Mm. And so very few people get out of adult get out of adolescence without some feeling some kind of wounds. You know, they themselves are sinners and the wounds that we we receive they those don't excuse our sins. Mm-hmm. But they're there nonetheless, and they are things that I think we don't need to be afraid to say. They do need to be dealt with. It's just that we don't have to do it through New Age visualization and mysticism and stuff. What it generally winds up being is that from the time you were wounded when you were very small, you have never really been able to forgive all those years later, you know? Mm -hmm. And you have never, not just the people that hurt you, but you've probably harbored a grudge against God and his sovereignty allowing you to go through those things and wondering why did why would he make me do this? Why why would he think would this is good? Yeah. And so I do think that the way to heal those very long ago hurts is not rocket science. It's about it's about the same thing it's always about. It's about forgiveness and repentance and turning away from the way that you've always thought to the way that God has called you to think. Mm-hmm. And But doing it specifically for those things. I think of things that happened when I was very small that wound up distorting and, and twisting me for decades after that. And it really comes back to forgiveness. And can I just deal honestly with that and admit that, yeah, I have been angry about those things for decades and it's time for me to be done. And, yeah. and in Christ, I am done. And I'm uh, whoever wronged me, uh, you know, I, I don't hold anything. They owe me nothing. It's, yeah. it's all free and clear by the blood of Jesus. And I just wanted to point out that you know, I've had occasion to deal with several uh, people who were gay or lesbian. You know, as a pastor and being in the Navy before that, I've had occasion to talk to my share. <laughs> you know, we run into gay people and we hear them talk, but we don't often get to kind of sit down with them and have a conversation and stuff. Uh-huh. Well, by God's grace, I've been able to have some conversations and I'm not saying this is a hard and fast rule or anything, but just 
the lesbians that I have run into, without exception, were molested by men when they were little girls. And I'm not saying that's a definite cause and effect link, but there's some connection there. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a reason a lot of a lot of females grow to womanhood hating men. You know, there, there's where there's smoke. There maybe it may have been fire quite a way back, and and it's not mystical. It's moral and ethical. Are we going to obey God and forgive? That's really what it boils down to. And that's where the source of healing is for those things. And I think I think having that perspective and understanding that when people are when people are in pain, they do dumb things. And when you shake your head and think how could this person that I know, how could they be so stupid? Well, they're probably they're probably hiding some pain. And they don't know how to deal with it. And so they reach out to things that we all can see. That's not going to help you. But people in pain do stupid things. And I think that we as fellow travelers who have had to deal with those same sorts of things, I think it should make us compassionate, even toward the wicked. God sends us in as agents of his grace, not of his condemnation. And so, you know... Evil does need to be met with justice and all of that. But I am saying that as Christian people, we should be compassionate, knowing that we've been hurt like they've been hurt, even if we don't see what their hurt is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a big, a big deal. And, and it was illustrated in this movie that the blockage in Dickens's writing all along was really that, just unforgiven stuff and stuff that he refused to admit yeah this shapes who I am and it always has mm-hmm. so I think just confessing what the truth is and and getting clear of it through forgiveness is a huge big deal well forgiveness is as much a choice as loving somebody is you choose to do those things it's not if you feel <laughs> if you feel like it. yeah so, yeah. you know, those are things that you choose to do. Yeah, it has to be that. And because I, otherwise you wouldn't. Right. <laughs> it's just about how you That's feel. a real good point because a lot of the times when you find Christians who say they have a hard time forgiving or they're unable to forgive, I think a lot of the time what they're saying is, I don't feel like I'm forgiving. Yeah. You know, I still feel some anger. I still feel Well, and then mad. there's the other thing about... You know, God really isn't sovereign because I can't. I can't let go of this. Right, somebody's got to punish you know, this guy. And, something's got to right. happen here because right. this was wrong, and mm-hmm. yeah. it's hard to be in that place to say, right. uh, "Yeah, this was wrong, but okay." <laughs> you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go. And I think there was one Sunday that my pastor was saying that, uh, you know, God says, "If you don't forgive, then I can't forgive you." And am I really higher than God to say I can't forgive this person when God has forgiven me of everything that I've done wrong and all the things that I've everything and he has he's let it go but I have to hold somebody else accountable yeah right yeah I hear lots of interesting things about your pastor but <laughs> What a guy. <laughs> you don't know the half of it. <laughs> the, uh, 
<laughs> Sometimes I feel sorry for him. But, but, you know, it really does boil down to this person that has offended me. As far as God is concerned, the blood of Jesus Christ was enough to pay it all. Mm-hmm. Nothing else is needed but the blood of Jesus. Yeah. And when when I refuse to forgive that person, it's me saying, "Yeah, something else is needed. You you owe me something now." Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. God may call it good, but you and me still got business. <laughs> well, yeah. and then, I don't think people always think of it that way. That that Jesus's blood paid for my sins, but that guy, <laughs> something else, you know. Right. And he and he may not pay for that guy's sins but yeah. if that but, guy repents that blood will be all that's needed yeah. yeah you know it will do the job perfectly but there is a day of right? reckoning and yeah. if you don't see it right it doesn't matter it's coming yeah and absolutely your focus better be on your own day of reckoning <laughs> <laughs> and not somebody else's <laughs> right right yeah, you're not going to be worried about that guy <laughs> when you're standing when there. When it's time, it's not about that guy anymore. And you're going to not care about that other guy. It's going to be about yeah. you. What did I do? <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to point out, and it's not really a worldview thing, but as a guy who has done some writing or as a guy who has made some feeble attempts in the past, it is interesting to talk to other writers and see what their process is Mm -hmm. and if what the movie showed as dickens's process if that's at all real that's extremely fascinating because it means that the product that made it to the page was not the same as god's creation of the world but it's there's an analogy there Mm-hmm. Only God creates out of nothing. We just arrange stuff and call it creating. Yeah. We arrange the stuff that he made. But Dickens is hes seeing all these things in his head. He's even having conversations in his head. And then those things become real on the paper. Mm-hmm. And now we all enjoy it and benefit from it and stuff like that. So uh, I just think it's fascinating, his process. If what the movie showed was at all real, that's pretty amazing stuff. Mm. What's your process, Jordan? I don't have a process. Mm. No. I'm afraid I don't either. That's why I'm not a good writer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anything else, y'all, before we call it quits? Like, it wasn't an especially great movie, but it had a lot of stuff in it. I mean... It, it, had some it inspired a better things. conversation than some of the other stuff that we've done. Yeah, for sure. Or was that the wine? Uh, <laughs> I didn't have the wine, so... <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, the good thing about the book is that it really did a cultural shift in in that time. Yeah. And it changed oh, the way true. a lot of people looked at those little urchins and the street people and... Well, and Christmas, according to the even, movie, and Christmas, right? yeah, yeah, and even Christmas, that yeah. it was something more than just a a minor holiday. Yeah, <laughs> to well, still money. Yeah, and even to make it more about charity and you know giving to other people and mm-hmm. goodwill towards other people because that's a big thing now for Christmas is that you know let's roll out the the bucket bringers and you know all these different you know charities and I mean there's even programs that we do with church you know that that that's the big thing the big push at christmas is to give to people that need more yeah and that's 
that's really it is down a lot to to Dickens writing this 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 one little you know sixty page book. It's crazy. God used it to great effect. Yeah. Yeah. Disproportionate effect. Maybe Which we'll is say. what happens. That's how God does things. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Worldview Media Podcast. Three, two, one. Dominionize! <laughs> I love For a weird second, I thought it was going to be Merry Christmas. Oh, no. <laughs> I was thinking, Worldview! <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> and next time, we'll all just say what we'll comes to mind. Like. <laughs> that'll be fun. <laughs> That's scary. Till next time. Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks. <laughs>